Welcome, everybody, to the Zen Stoic Path. I have a very special guest here with me today. I have Micah Scarborough, jiu-jitsu black belt, history buff, and the owner of a new jiu-jitsu school coming into town, Corsair BJJ. Micah, thank you so much for being here, man. This is amazing. This is actually a great setup, and I love your captain's chair. Thank you. Thank you. The captain's chair is where I uh, I really get in the zone. Yeah. <laughs> so this is part of the magic. And you know, oddly enough, that's kind of where things the magic should happen. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm over here on a wooden bench, by the way. <laughs> yes. I, uh, I make sure my guests really want to embody a stoic mindset. So right. I put them on a wooden bench that is terribly uncomfortable. I was expecting, honestly, <laughs> some flagellation tools. <laughs> Excellent. Not flagellation Yes, for flagellation. <laughs> Excellent. So, we've been talking about doing this podcast for a bit. I've wanted to have you on for because I always find our conversation super interesting and hilarious. So, <laughs> I figured they'd be good for a philosophical context because there's a lot of depth in them as well as funny as they are. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, and again, I'm just gonna say this: I I legitimately bullshitted my way through philosophy in college. I had two academics scholarships and I had two college scholarships. My wife would get so pissed at me. She was, she's such a hard liner. Um, so when she was, when we met, she was such a hard charger. So she's a badass. My wife is a legitimate badass. She is. I've met her. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember the first time we, so we bought a condo. We were about to get married, which was really awesome because the university of Utah gave her a stipend, like Mm -hmm. a living stipend. And they were paying my, my first mortgage. Yes. Thank you very thanks, much thanks university of utah yeah. <laughs> so good of you and i don't know i maybe should i don't know if i should say that but it's too late now anyway the uh, it, uh remember we were supposed to have this like study date mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, i was like we're gonna have to pull an all-nighter because you know um it's, it's finals week yeah. and she was like yeah let's do this so i just remember i bought the footnotes for what i needed to re- like study <laughs> and i just studied the footnotes and i was like all right i'm done it was like done in like an hour and a half and i was like like i rolled over and went to sleep and my wife was so pissed because she was actually <laughs> like like studying studying yes. and she had some really hard finals coming up and she was like i've never been so pissed at someone in my life because you're like you told me that i was supposed to be like up with you and mm-hmm. da, 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 da. and i was like i'm sorry <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I philosophize really efficiently. So Dude, I joke around. It's like I was working on a BA and BS like this. <laughs> Marvelous. Yeah. To all you philosophy degrees, you know, good on you. Yes. Excellent. So, which is interesting that you say that you bullshitted your way through philosophy because I actually, <laughs> through talking to you, especially what well, we, we had a whole conversation off air before this, there was a lot of uh, philosophical richness in a lot of your thought. And I know you're big on history. Yes. And specifically, I want to bring this up because we were talking about something from Jordan Peterson's new book, his first rule, which is not to throw out, you know, tradition or institutions, but also not to dismiss new creative um, outputs that people are doing. Right. And you had a great way of saying it where you're, you're basically saying, don't take down the fence before you know why the fence is up. Yes. And I, I'm very curious, like how a lot of people today don't really study history in the same way that maybe they used to. Right. A lot I of people are that. focusing on like, what's the right now gratification. Yes. Yes. So what, what is the importance of history and learning it and how it's played out in your life? Uh, I just find, <laughs> on, man, I'm such a creature of habit. I think everybody kind of becomes a creature of habit, mm-hmm. whether you want to admit it or not. And I feel like we kind of, 
we lie to ourselves, mm-hmm. right, about where we're at in life. Yes. And then we kind of, I I would say, and I think we kind of talked about this, and you can, I, I think I we agree on this, is that <laughs> we kind of project this, like, self-absorbed manifestation of who we are. Yes, onto the rest of the world. Uh, yeah, and then we kind of expect people to accommodate us in those things. Mm-hmm. And so, on, like, I was told this by my grandfather, the, mm-hmm. the whole fence analogy, and mm-hmm. he was... He was a corn farmer and a rancher. Oh, all right. Right. And <laughs> so, so he meant it both literally and, and figuratively. figuratively. <laughs> yeah. And well, and it was, it was over these things. And so like, I, I will, I will fully admit, um, my, the history of my family literally comes down to three things. One is that we have a very strong military heritage in my family. Like mm-hmm. I can track the military into my family all the way up to the French Indian war. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also farming because yes. that's what was necessary. It's still a necessity, right? Yes, absolutely. So the, the, I guess what we're talking about is that, you know, don't take down the fence unless you know what it's for mm-hmm. is like, I, I, I do think, and I don't know if I'm answering your question because I'm three scotches and sorry people, but the, uh, that's all right. We, we like to party on the Zen stoic <laughs> path and, 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 <laughs> and that's why I'm here. <laughs> the introvert partier. Uh, but I find that especially now with our social media set up with this, like, look at me, I, I, the, and I'm not trying to piss anybody off, but I'm probably going to piss some people off. And that's your problem is that there's a modern kind of narcissism in mm-hmm. our culture that, you know, we're looking at, at the now completely. Yes. Right. Okay. What are you worth on social media right now? And then if you miss a post, oh my God, mm. you know what I mean? You done screwed up, yes. you know? Um, and then the other thing is though, too, is that we, I don't think we know our history well enough. Like, and we are allowing other people to dictate. And I'm not even talking about the national history. I'm talking about your personal history. Yes. Because there is such thing as sins of the father that Mm. you have to deal with as a person, because that is the culture or that is the environment that you lived in. And so we tend to victimize ourselves and we allow those things to be passed on. What, what would an example of sins of the father be and how might that come up? So this might blind spot for somebody, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, this might seem anecdotal, but like my, I was talking about this even with, um, uh, my pipe major. Yes. I play the bagpipe. So the, uh, that's right. Uh, <laughs> Mike is also a bagpipe. Yeah. Superstar. He failed to mention that, which is probably <laughs> way what you guys are more interested in. And we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Absolutely. I play with my bag all the time. Um, but I was talking with it about this with my, uh, pipe major is that, um, we're all brought up with, these kind of social norms mm-hmm. that may or may not be beneficial. Yes. Okay. And I'm not talking about social norms as in the gr- broader social norm that I think most people focus on now, which I think is one of our mistakes. Mm. So you get brought up, you have this culture that you're brought up in by your parents, but what you don't necessarily recognize is that you're brought up with a perception within that family mm. structure. Right. Yes. So growing up <clears throat> again, my, my grandfather, owned a corn farm. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was just that hard work always pays off. Yeah. That mentality there. Yeah. And he was a, don't get me wrong. The guy was a Billy badass. Like he came up in the depression era. Uh, I have a picture of my mom mm-hmm. in their house and it was actually a shack. 
Oh wow! Yeah, they had a, a place where they would go and they would shit out in the pot pasture, basically with the you know <laughs> so they had yeah, a little it was legit shack. It was a legit shack, and they all kind of how slept many bedrooms in. and bathrooms? Yeah, yeah, no bathrooms, right? No bathrooms, <laughs> obvi. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and then, uh, but that's just kind of and that's just what they lived in. It was the mm-hmm. depression era, and then when you know that like they had a picture of that, and that was coming up, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and then he was also a, in the Ar- uh, Army Air Corps. Mm-hmm. During World War Two, and so yeah. he just kind of had this. This is what you do, mm-hmm. and so hard work always paid off for him. And so he would project that. Well, changing, you know, the changing world, and then like the fifties and sixties happen, and then you have the, you know, the advent of, you know, um, the feminist movement that mm-hmm. took over, and then you know, you also had the pill mm-hmm. that come up, and the sexual revolution, and things like that. It worked for his time. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, and this is where, you know, we were kind of talking about progression is important. Yes. So, um, it worked for his time, but that mentality of just like, Hey, I can grow farm. I can grow corn on a farm and mm-hmm. make things work. Well then GMO started happening. Right. Mm. And then outside like farming, you know, agriculture just grew Yes. and kind of outmoded him. Yes. You know what I mean? And so then it got to the point where he's like, Oh, I have to sell. So Frito Lay was kind of like his guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he started selling. And so he kind of fell into that position. But he, if that didn't have happened, he would have been probably hosed. Yeah. It, you know, so I guess what I'm trying to say is, is like when my mom kind of took over, like, and got married and kind of followed that progression track and fell mm-hmm. into a, a, not my, my dad, but like her second husband, mm-hmm. he was an abusive dude. And the stick by your man mentality was pretty heavily ingrained in my mom and that you work hard and the wife is like the misunderstanding of what subjugation or like subject to the husband and da 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 stuck her in a pretty bad environment that embittered her Mm -hmm. and didn't allow her to think out of her box. Right. So there's this like, so she was like, Nope, you, you find a man, Mm -hmm. he's the provider. He's the one that like takes care of financially. And then you, uh, you follow suit and yes. then like that second husband was heavily abusive to us and to her. And, but that kind of stick to kind of stuck us in a bad situation. Mm-hmm. So when you think about it, like if we're comparing it to the fence, that was a fence that was up, but wasn't necessarily doing what it was intended to do. Exactly. Right. It was like, she didn't bother to check why it was up. Mm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So, now here's the thing though. I think the argument I, I hear a ton is like, that's, you know, that's why you, the traditional ideal of marriage is a bad decision and mm-hmm. da, 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 da. It's like, okay, there's rules. Mm-hmm. And just because there's an exception to the rule doesn't mean that the rule is invalid anymore. You treat that specific aspect that the rule can't apply in and you work on that specifically that's become something different now if there's an exception that keeps popping up mm-hmm. and it's in that same family well then you need to address the rule right yeah and see if the rule is carrying out what its intention was yeah generally mm-hmm. on a broad spectrum mm-hmm. right um so she fell into that category it really embittered her mm-hmm. um and i grew up basically i was a latchkey kid and that's a term that you know if you're in your 40s you kind of heard a ton <laughs> you know what I mean? So sorry, guys. You're probably doing. Look up Latchkey Kid on Google. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. There's there's homework from this podcast. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> this podcast may or may not be sponsored by Glenn Marinji 14. <laughs> may, may or not. 
Well, that's a good qualifier, right? You're going to keep that one in. Absolutely. Yeah, because I gave you the legal out. You did. You did. Thank you. You're welcome. So a latchkey kid. Latchkey kid. What what exactly does that mean for for those of us who aren't in our forties <laughs> or beyond? Yeah, <laughs> damn you people. Um, so latchkey kid was basically a term that they gave people that were in a single family or single parent family, and that their parent was working longer hours, so they wouldn't come home to let you in the house. Mm, they okay. weren't home. They would uh, like that was when you started seeing the the breakup of the nuclear family, mm-hmm. and you're starting to see the advent of the single working mom. Mm-hmm. So that was my mom. Yes. Yeah. Man, this was supposed to be funnier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it, it comes naturally. <laughs> it really, I hope so. Yes. Yeah. So I was raised, uh, I had all brothers. I was the youngest of all the biological brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I quite, fr- quite frankly got the shit kicked out of me a ton growing up by mm-hmm. my brother. Cause they were, they actually, I would say I was raised by my brothers more than my mom. My mm-hmm. mom was doing a fantastic job of keeping a roof over yeah. our head, but I was, I was raised by a bunch of sociopaths. Yeah. Oh, well that's that. Do, well, that'll definitely teach you a lot Yeah, <laughs> about people and about life. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, so going back to, to this example of, not taking down the fence before you know what it's for, or at least realizing and finding out why the fence was built in the first place. How did this play out in your upbringing? Um, so again, I'm the fourth brother. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I, this is going to sound ridiculous, but I learned a lot about what not to do Mm -hmm. by my brothers. Yes. So again, we were raised in that kind of traditional value of, you go to school, you join the military, or you go to college, or both, mm-hmm. and you get married and you have kids, and things will work out. Yes, and it, and again, there's like you know, so marriage is you know, and I keep bringing it up with marriage, and I don't, mm-hmm. and it's not like what I'm trying to get across, but like, <laughs> it, it, I think it's a kind of allegory because we're you know, I think a lot of people now are kind of questioning the the necessity of marriage versus mm-hmm. just why don't I date and just procreate yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? let me just do that yeah exactly and then i just started seeing that so my brothers kind of fell into that very traditional trap of you get a job mm-hmm. you get married you know the wife does the wife things the husband does the husband things and that's just what you do mm-hmm. and and we never had a really proper like i guess allegory or kind of like projection of what that really was it was just mm-hmm. kind of what you socially did mm-hmm. And so out of the four brothers, two are married and two aren't, Mm -hmm. right? And my older brother got divorced and he's just getting remarried. My other brother like was one and done Mm -hmm. Um, and it destroyed him. Like, I haven't seen him push past that. And then I have another brother who is like been married, I think 18 years. Mm -hmm. And then there's me, uh, there's me at 15 years. So uh, what I have found between the two, if I'm, look, if I'm, taking my I'm stepping back and I'm looking at Mm -hmm. the two that have lasted Mm -hmm. they married their best friend Mm. and the two that didn't last they they married an attraction interesting does that make sense absolutely makes sense it's actually it, it lines up a lot with just concepts within zen and one of those whoa (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll the Zen always, poet. I'll, <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting to insert. This <laughs> quick sidebar: We were watching um, some of our teammates fight on a live stream in a jujitsu uh, competition, and 
the other night and <laughs> Micah was talking about my podcast with somebody. And I don't know if he forgot or he purposely went with it, but either way, it sounded super organic <laughs> and it was hilarious. But he's like, yeah, so Victor does the Zen poet podcast. <laughs> and I, I burst out laughing because I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that yeah. is what he said to me. And yes. I'm like, we will make this podcast. Yeah, I was like, I can't change the name now. But No. <laughs> no, so we're making another one. This is the birth of the Zen poet. That's right. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> so so anyway, we're, uh, you know, I'll always tie things back yes. as the Zen poet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 but in Zen, what well, one thing that a lot of people appreciate about Zen as a, I wouldn't even call it a philosophy, but like as a way of being or a practice is that it doesn't require you to believe in things blindly or like yeah. it, it doesn't require any dogmatic thinking. It doesn't thrive on these things. Right. Um, which really reminds me of like, understand the intention of why you're doing what you're doing. Because on the one hand, the institution of marriage exists for a reason, right? Yeah. There is companionship. There is you know, being with your partner and kind of hopefully making life a little more tolerable than it is because it can be really tough sometimes. Right. And having somebody by your side is really important, but also at the same time, it, it's almost as if like, I won't say this is the intention, but maybe one of the intentions is like marriage and having a partner makes life a little less intolerable at the, at the worst of times because you have yeah. somebody there with you. Yeah. But it's important to keep that in mind because if your partner is abusing you, yes, now yeah. you're ignoring the intention. And so if you yeah. just follow blindly dogmatically, either in the old traditions or the new, you know, I'm liberating myself from these old rules type yeah. thing without realizing why it's even there, right. you're going to fall into the same trap, whether you're in the marriage or, or outside not. of marriage. Well, and that's the thing is I'm seeing people attacking the, 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 the system and I even see it in jujitsu like there's a huge fight between the you know sport jujitsu and this mm -hmm. progressive mentality versus the old school and you have to learn how to s defend yourself and the answers are both yes <laughs> they're both yes so so yeah you're you're about to open your own jujitsu school you're opening yeah. Corsair BJJ in Elgin Texas which yes is just outside the metropolis of that's right just outside of Boston <laughs> <laughs> yes and we're we're all anticipating the grand opening man so am I <laughs> I'm waiting for them to give you my keys because yeah. I, I have mats that are sitting at someone else's house. <laughs> it, it is a new building. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, okay. You're coming into obviously having your own gym. Yeah. You recently got your black belt Two yeah. two things, which from talking to you before, you didn't expect to be happening this year. No, at all. That, no, I wasn't. I, my life was not projecting towards owning a gym. Yes. And now I am going to ask you how you got into jujitsu but we're going to Tarantino this thing. And I want to hear first about the gym and getting your black belt recently, because these are two unexpected things that right. seem to have changed the trajectory of where you were headed in life. Oh, well, first of all, Quentin Tarantino, thank you <laughs> for your service. Uh, not, I just love that the guy stuck to his guns and just does what he does. Yes. Very sincere expression, which is super aligned with a uh, Zen stoic. <laughs> right. And that chin. Yes. <laughs> Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, Excellent. That, that guy's a badass. Um, the uh, yeah, I okay. I am not your traditional black belt. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I I will be honest with you. I can. Uh, um, I know, and I am not trying to take away from anybody else's experience with getting their black belt because, like, mm -hmm. the black belt is a life altering. I don't care what anybody says. It, the the black belt is a life altering moment for people and obviously for me too yes uh some some it's very existential mm -hmm. 
some of it is very visceral and mine is more visceral yes than existential and if you don't know what those words mean google duck duck go <laughs> um the uh so i i honestly what my mo- motivations for jujitsu are kind of weird mm-hmm. i am not the guy who is going in there trying to find out where he stands i'm not trying to learn how to kick someone's ass mm-hmm. i'm going in there um because i got my ass kicked at a very young age mm-hmm. and i just knew that and i guess this is going into what you're talking about before now i i won't go too deep in that but i got mm-hmm. my ass kicked at a very very young age and i realized that there's no one in this world that can take care of you mm-hmm. except for you that's right. There's no heroes. Mm-hmm. I mean, we like to claim that there are, and there's definitely some times. And but the reason why there's a term hero mm-hmm. is because it's very, very, very limited of when that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't rise to the occasion; they always fall back to their level of training or experience. And and mm-hmm. so, <clears throat> when I got my black belt, I had just stopped coaching high level gymnastics. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, and by just about within a year, and I was trying to kind of figure i was going through a midlife crisis i guess that's what we term it as i was mm-hmm. 40 years old i was my wife had just left gymnastics we'd been running a gymnastics program together and i was just kind of like you know what i was never a gymnast mm-hmm. this sucks and i don't like where it's going so i'm out mm-hmm. so i actually became an aquaponics farmer for a little while and no it wasn't weed people it was lettuce so uh, <laughs> regular lettuce it, it, yeah it wasn't the devil's lettuce <laughs> it was microgreens not those type of microgreens <laughs> oh, uh, we can go all day with this <laughs> i know and uh so i i and i hated it mm-hmm. you know there's 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 a core thing you can say that you're created for or what you're wired for or anything mm-hmm. like and i'm just a coach that's just something i i fell into gymnastics i did it for 15 years um mm-hmm. i've had some high success at it. And then I was like, you know what? There's a, there's a time where you have to reevaluate what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I try to be something else and I'm not wired for it, but I wasn't, I wasn't good at, I wasn't Mm -hmm. good at that type of thing, but I'm good at coaching, but I didn't want to go back to gymnastics. Yes. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, um, I was actually working on becoming a bladesmith, like a blacksmith mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And our coach, uh, Alex Henley, name drop. Um, <laughs> He'll be on this podcast soon enough. <laughs> Ooh, that'll be a very good one. Um, he honestly, you know, the thing is, is I came into Alex Henley as a brown belt. I, I trained under Eddie Edmonds in mm-hmm. Salt Lake, who's a Pedro Sauer black belt. Mm-hmm. And I got my blue belt under him yes. and Dana Ristostabel. Try to spell that name. Uh, who <laughs> actually say it five times <laughs> fast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he runs Agima uh, MMA mm-hmm. in in Orem, Utah. Name drop. Uh, and then I moved to Texas. I actually took a five year break mm-hmm. from training jujitsu to start the program with my wife. And then I started training under Paulo Brandao at uh, Gracie Umaita Austin. Mm-hmm. And I got my I, I went from blue to brown under Paulo Brandao. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I actually have to say Alex has probably had the most, con- like not control, but the most, what's the word I'm looking for? He he changed the trajectory of what jujitsu was for me. Like, mm-hmm. So jujitsu for the longest time, man, am I talking too much about jujitsu? No, not at all. I mean, this is this is what the podcast is for. We, uh, we <laughs> rant and we go on tangents and we 
drink. sometimes drink whiskey and scotch and we just have good conversations. Mm. <laughs> yeah. We see where it goes. So jujitsu, uh, yeah, I guess I'll, like, so I'll just say jujitsu was a very selfish endeavor for me and mm. I was about to put it up. Mm. So I got an injury. I, I actually injured my neck pretty severely. I had nerve pain. I remember. Yeah. And then spotting, uh, spotting in gymnastics was exacerbating it. Um, mm. And I, I just, just like, I was almost done with it. I know you're always in pain when you do jujitsu. The whole joke is if you wake, if you're doing jujitsu and you wake up in no pain, you're dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yes. yeah. Uh, and, but it was getting pr pretty bad where I, I wasn't able to function. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started, my wife was like, you need to, you know, she was a gymnast. So, uh, and she actually had to retire from her college career because of a back injury. Mm. And we both kind of got into the whole chiropractic massage type thing. Um, and she, uh, she kind of got me into do it. And then I just kind of made it my own neck workout routine mm -hmm. and it's kind of helped me rehab it back. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, all right. And then my wife actually was like, look, you're driving me crazy because all you have is work mm -hmm. and you obsess about it. You're not, and you're driving me crazy with it. Cause she was almost, she was about done with putting up gymnastics too. And mm -hmm. being in, again, the fashion, my, my wife's bad ass she became a, a pilot. Mm -hmm. Oh wow. And so and she's <laughs> like, you're driving me crazy. You need to find something else. You need to balance your life out a little bit more. And mm -hmm. so I was like, all right, well, you know, well, I can, I'll probably go back to jujitsu. So I did some research, got found Alex Hinley mm -hmm. and he's, and who's his own badass in his own right. Um, and I told him flat out, look, I'm not interested and competing for you. <laughs> um, I'm not going, I'm not here to represent yeah. <laughs> and get you medals. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was really, I'm, I, I'll be honest. Jiu-Jitsu was a very selfish endeavor from purple belt mm. to black belt. Yes. And so my wife was really just like, get your black belt. Just, mm. just go get your black belt. And there, and like, there was a few times where I was about to quit. And I think Alex kind of knew that. Mm -hmm. And so he duped me. He tricked me into coaching for him. And and everything, uh, yeah. That crafty rascal, dude. Not only is he handsome, but he's intelligent. <laughs> um, the uh, so we tricked me into coaching for him a little bit, um, and then he kind of mentored me a little bit, like to make the adjustments that re were required from gymnastics to like, coaching jujitsu. Mm -hmm. And I'll say there is a qualifiable difference between coaching and and instructing, and they're both important. Uh, um, glad you said that we'll definitely be expanding on that <laughs> um but the uh anyway he talked he talked me into doing his noon classes i think that's where we met that is where we met and uh and so i started coaching for him a little bit because like i i like honestly i was the hobbyist mentality between brown belt and black belt i i like unlike the other black belts people know you know like even gabe hansel and stuff mm -hmm. like that like i jujitsu is just a medium in which i stayed in shape Mm -hmm. And I would say I'm not, I wasn't very passionate about it because I'd given up on that selfish nature of it. And I was mm -hmm. just kind of like, I'm here because I'm decent at it. I mm -hmm. wouldn't say I'm a great jujitsu practitioner. I'm a better coach. I would say I'm, I'm passable. Uh, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Anyway. So he, anyway, I, I'm in this long story, very long. I'm in this cusp between coaching uh, gymnastics and farming and kind of not in about to spend, I spent about five grand mm -hmm. in getting um, my business started for bladesmithing. Mm -hmm. And Alex was like, and I'm still a brown belt at this time. And he was like, I don't know why the hell you're buying a forge when you should be coaching jujitsu. Mm -hmm. And I, I have to say, despite our differences, Alex 
and I get along really, really well. Like mm-hmm. our life views are completely different. Yes. Um, but he was, he was like, you're the best jujitsu coach I or one of the best jujitsu coaches I've ever met. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, the, uh, and that blew me away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never, and so my first goal in life was to actually own a martial arts school. You and I share that goal. <laughs> I wanted to do that when I was like six yeah. or seven when yeah. I first started martial arts. But yes, continue. Dude, you'd be a badass. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I mean that sincerely. The uh, and and that was the thing is I put that goal up years ago, like mm-hmm. two decades ago, and I started realizing that when I because I did, you know, like you, I did Sancho or Sandao, whatever you want to call it. Yes. It goes by these different names. <laughs> yeah. Just depends on which form of Chinese you talk. That's right. Uh yeah. So I did Sanda, I did some Muay Thai. And I just, I, the longevity in that didn't seem practical for me, especially, mm-hmm. with, you know, uh, I'm not a, or I'm already not a beautiful man. <laughs> I did not need more lumps and bumps where they didn't need to be. Uh, keep all the beauty I can, I can harness at the moment. Right. So. And my wife will tell you, honestly, the, the funny thing is my wife will tell you, she was like, you, you were not the most physically attractive man I've ever met. Like, you know what I mean? Mm. Now it's changed. Thank God. Maybe she's lowered her standards. You always, you know, you always hear that there was the reacher and the settler, you know? Um, but anyway, so Alex literally, he was like, I don't know why he, he actually kind of took me by the freaking you know, proverbial throat. And he's like, I don't know why you're bothering spending money on that. You should be coaching. Mm-hmm. You need to own a gym. Yes. And I don't know if that was him like trying to form an aff- affiliation and make some affiliation dues, which I doubt. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Cause like he's not going to make a ton of money off of the affiliation. In mm-hmm. fact, he's not doing it for money at all. Yes. So I, there's no motivation outside of the altruism. I know in mm-hmm. my opinion. And I was just like, huh. Mm-hmm. And also like just seeing something in you that maybe you weren't looking at. Right. Or paying attention to. And there was no motivation out of it where I think sometimes people get pushed to do something cause there's a motivation of control. Mm-hmm. Cause Alex knows me. I'm not, I hate being controlled. Yeah. I'm not one of those people. I hate control. Mm-hmm. And I recognize that sometimes I even try to control shit too much. Mm-hmm. And this time it was like I recognized that I am trying to leave what I'm wired for. The My purpose mm-hmm. my purpose is to coach and mentor and help. Yes. And I'm not trying to say that in the laziest of like ways. Like, sorry, social media influencers. Like... <laughs> Making a quick blurb on on social media isn't helping people. <laughs> Oops. No, no, it's more more bolstering of their own presence. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and so I, I I have to think, and Alex has been over backwards to help me mm-hmm. and build. And I, I I there is not one facet of the, starting this business that Alex hasn't helped in. Mm-hmm. In a. <laughs> in a non altruistic way. Yes. He's helped me with everything mm-hmm. and my business partner, um, which, you know, Nick Riley, you're a beautiful man. That's right. Nick, Nick Riley is the co-owner of uh, Corsair. Yep. Um, Pan American, uh, blue belt, silver medalist. That's uh, right. And, and all meanings of the word, probably the, a badass um, firefighter, uh, family man in all the true senses. Mm hmm. And he's currently going through some medical issues and he's still just champing, just being a champion of life. That guy is a Billy badass. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's for sure. Yeah, I, yeah. It, it, it's, I think it's, it's really cool that you guys are <clears throat> creating Corsair and that you're opening soon, especially because it, at least it sounds like 
in your life, what it what originally inspired martial arts was being bullied as a kid. Oh yeah. And I always look at martial arts in a similar way. Not like I was bullied verbally. I never, fortunately I never got beat up or anything like that. Nice. Yeah. But I started martial arts when I was six. So by the time like, you know, any bullies kind of started to get a, any momentum behind their bullying. Like I already kind of knew something. So I was able to defend myself in those moments. But one of the reasons why I keep training is not at all because like I want to compete because like I'm not actively competing or anything like that. But it's because of the whole notion that it's better to be a warrior in the garden than a gardener Garden in a warrior. Yeah. Yeah. Garden. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The gardener in a war. Yeah. 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 You're, you're 1 million percent. Right. I think, and I think that's one thing that's actually a detriment to our society right now is we have a lot of passive mm-hmm. and, and I'm not trying to j- dive in on this misandry versus misogyny bullshit that's prevalent now, mm-hmm. but it's like, we don't have healthy males mm-hmm. in society more. And one thing jujitsu absolutely does well, if it's taught in context mm-hmm. is there in, there's going to be troubles in life. Mm-hmm. And if you are not man or woman enough, yes, because the feminine is important. Not saying that I'm not trying to in battle feminism, mm-hmm. but so is masculinity. That's right. And there's a balance to it. And I don't care if you're, you know, a stoic, mm-hmm. oh, oh, or or follow a, a, a Zen person uh, that follows the discipline of Zen or Christianity or or Islam. Mm-hmm. Both are important. That's right. Like that, that the reason and the, going back to the marriage thing, mm-hmm. I, you know, and it's, it doesn't matter, you know, cause there's some things that my wife actually like, dude, she would outmote some dudes in mm-hmm. like, so my, again, just to tell my wife, you know, world-class gymnast was on the world's team, mm-hmm. like was a unlisted alternate at one point for the Olympics back in the day. Yep. You know, <laughs> starter freshman at a super six school. Um, and now she's like, she got a bug up her ass. And she, like, I just, my wife surprises me mm-hmm. all the time. And like, if I feel like if I was less comfortable with who I am mm-hmm. and okay with who I was, mm-hmm. this would threaten me. Mm-hmm. Right. I've seen a lot of good dudes like when their wife wants to, you know, and they're like, oh dude. you know, <laughs> Yeah. They, they feel like it's somehow almost like infringing upon their identity when someone right. close to them is doing something great. Yeah. And it was, and, and, but then there's the other side of the coin. They're like, Oh, you're a cuck. I've been, yeah. you know what I mean? I'm just like, bro, come say that at my, come to yeah. my mats and say that. <laughs> come to, to the mats. And yeah. We'll have that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it, and it's like, it's not about just getting violence. Just like I, I've been successful at the things I want to be successful at. I was mm-hmm. never, I was never a gymnast. I have 15 kids between like three years, I had 15 kids on the USHE top 100 list. So mm-hmm. I, I owned basically 15% of that list. Wow. You know what I mean? That's, that's, I awesome. was never that's a awesome, gymnast man. and everybody kind of, it was really funny. My wife and I would laugh. And if I, if, if, if it was any other context, I think people would be upset. My wife and I would laugh because everybody thought it was Rachel coaching the two events that I was coaching. And she mm-hmm. would, she literally, this is how she taught me how to coach gymnastics. Here's the USAG book requirements. Mm-hmm. And here's a couple of videos for drills. Yes. And then this is, this is how you spot a handstand on bars. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally how she's taught me. And I had to research everything else. And this was, again, this was like in 2006. So the prevalence of mm-hmm. like video, like everybody's like, well, you could have gone to YouTube. 
bro. Yeah. <laughs> 2006 YouTube wasn't really a thing. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was interesting. But anyway, my going back to make it more about what I was trying to say about my wife is like, mm. she surprised the hell out of me. I, you know, I was, this was like three years ago. Mm-hmm. My wife just, my wife's such a thinker. She's so freaking intelligent. It's scary. Like she's like, she's like the first, you know, that Raptor on Jurassic park where she like tricks the tracker and he's like, clever girl. You know what I mean? That's like, she'll surprise you like that. So I'm sitting there, I'm literally just minding my own business. I think I was reading Mm -hmm. and she comes up and taps me on the shoulder. She's like, what would you say if I wanted to take aviation lessons? And I was like, I'm, I'm saying great. Mm -hmm. Go with your bad self. And so she went and had her, what's called her discovery flight. And she came back to me and she was just like, I am hooked. And I hope that we're financially okay because it's going to be a ride. (laughs) She's like, I'm doing this. Yeah. And I was just kind of like, badass. Yes. Go with it. Like, and the thing is, is I'm one of those people where it's like, if you're actually motivated to make something happen mm-hmm. you're gonna find a way of making it happen it goes back to that bruce lee saying if a guy wants to bite your nose off in a fight win or lose he's gonna manage to bite your nose off in a fight mm-hmm. not saying i 100 percent agree with bruce lee but that was a statement that's actually 100 percent. you know what i mean <laughs> yes absolutely so now yeah. that that that's interesting because a lot of a lot of people i think they don't train their mentality or themselves emotionally to be able to handle changes in the environment, right? They're obsessed with, like we were talking about before, the delusion of control. Right, An right. expectation of a familiar environment. Right. And some some guys would feel almost like their masculinity gets threatened because their partner is going after something great. And they, right. they feel like, oh, now, now I'm somehow less than. Which I think that the whole idea of being a warrior in the garden versus the garden in the war extends beyond just training yourself physically. I think it also has to do with training yourself mentally as well and being able to almost embrace and be comfortable with changes in your environment. Even right. even those that will could make you feel insecure or could make you feel like less than. It's like expect these things to happen. Expect yourself to, to run into these situations. So in terms of, I, I know you have a, an interesting coaching philosophy when it comes to jujitsu, especially because a lot of jujitsu is heading in the direction of this big focus on sports jujitsu, right? A lot of competitions very popular, which is awesome. But at the same time, it deters or, or it, it kind of, um, it makes people go in a different direction with their focus of why they're doing the martial art. In other words, yeah. like we put up this fence of jujitsu with the intention that a smaller opponent with the right technique could defeat a bigger attacker. Right. Yeah. And obviously there's a huge self-defense component of that. Mm-hmm. So could you talk a little bit about your teaching style when it comes to jujitsu and your view on how the self-defense has started to get lost in this era of competition and creative evolution in jujitsu? Yeah. Um, so again, I was, I got my ass kicked at a really young age. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I started that path. Like, I think I was 11 or, you know, the only thing I could find at the time. So this <laughs> is back in the day <laughs> as Jocko would use. Yes. Uh, it, so I think it was around 1991. 
And mm-hmm. I, I, I got the crap beat out of me by three guys. I just got beat mm-hmm. up. And, and the first thing I remember is my buddy I was walking with just took off running. Mm-hmm. He stopped being a friend very quickly after that. <laughs> I learned he didn't have my back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? You know, friend became a very loose term at this point. <laughs> um, and so I learned a, I, I learned four things. At, at when I, like, I literally got the shit beat out of me mm-hmm. by four guys. So the first thing I learned is that friend in, in our day and age, mm-hmm. very, very broad term. Mm-hmm. And again, and one thing I respect around people is friends are actually people that stick around. Yes. And I think Americans, especially during society, especially with the advent of Facebook of, oh, I'm friended on Facebook. Mm-hmm. We use that way too weak. Yeah. Um, it's a very loose term these days. Right. And so like what I, again, and I, I keep a reference. You should probably have my wife on. Like she's way more interesting than I am. <laughs> the, um, but what I, lo- I really appreciate about her is that she's been working at this company for a year and a half now and she's excelling mm-hmm. and she's like, she likes people on in, in that she works with. Yes. They're still colleagues. Mm. She has never once been like my friend at work. Yes. They're colleagues. Why? Cause they haven't breached that level of relationship that terms friendship. Yeah. They haven't gotten into a context where that term in essence has been tested. <laughs> right. And that's the thing. It has to be tested. This is going back to what you're talking about. The whole martial art kind of mm-hmm. mentality. The second thing I learned from that is that no one can better prepare you for adversity than you. Mm-hmm. And even I, I you have, I have to watch myself cause I fall into this all the time, but you're, the advent of social media, the advent of quick access information mm-hmm. and the, and the self-help guru, you know what I mean? And I'm not attacking anybody on anything on this. I'm just saying you have to be careful because we, we project what we want on other people and what they can give us. And mm-hmm. I'm not the person that's going to say like everything that we need is within ourselves. Cause I'm going to call, I, I'm going to call that bullshit too. Mm-hmm. Cause there's no growth. You, there's no growth. If you already have it inside you, mm-hmm. there's some things you have to experience. And then you have to ask yourself, can I meet this? Yes. You know what that's I mean? A, that's a very good point. And I, th- I think it, it gets romanticized this idea that like you have everything you need. And to some extent, you can say that that's true, but at the same time, it's not like if you're not aware of it and it's not accessible, it doesn't matter that it's inside you. <laughs> right. Right. Well, it's, it's, it's that delusion you were talking about. That's that dichotomy of illusion, mm-hmm. that delusion or so, that yes. we were talking about earlier that you have to have a certain amount of faith to push yourself in that projection. But there's also a certain amount of, uh, of acceptance that you're not there. Yes. So if something's lacking, you don't have it in you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But you can. Yes. You know what I mean? You can, and it might be a hard struggle and, and it might be a degree of change. It might be a percentage, mm-hmm. but damn down that road. If you put it, if you draw a line and it's zero mm-hmm. and then you just make a 1% angle change, mm-hmm. boom. Yeah. You, that, that angle change becomes progressive. Yeah. It becomes exponential over time. Right. Because you've practiced, you've put some responsibility or some ownership on that difficulty instead of just saying like, Oh, well, right. I can't deal with it. (laughs) And I just didn't like, so going back to that, that, that historical thing that happened, you know, me getting beat up. (laughs) Uh, I learned that, man, I was, I thought my, my friend had my back and I didn't have it in me to, I fought my best. I fought my best. It Mm. wasn't enough. Mm hmm. And honestly, looking back at it as a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, I would even now, if there was four guys comparable mm-hmm. and I was alone, 
mm. still probably wouldn't have enough, bro. Like, mm. I, I don't care. If I chose to fully engage and I try mm. to take a guy to the ground and someone starts fucking, sorry, F word. starts <laughs> no, say whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, if, if they start trying to do the Irish jig on my head while I'm trying to do a head and arm choke, that's mm -hmm. prone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's the sport element. So we're kind of getting into the philosophy now, mm -hmm. right? And then the third thing I learned is I, so I started taking up martial arts, but I got into karate. Mm -hmm. Well, they didn't spar and they didn't spar outside of their own group. Mm. So there's no real testing. Yes. You're, right? you're kind of, you're getting comfortable. Right. Yeah. So I got a brown belt in, in karate mm -hmm. and then I got a black belt in Kung Fu. Well, the equivalent of a black belt in Kung Fu. Mm -hmm. Right. Actually, I, I ran my own business teaching Kung Fu in college. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then a guy with just wrestling background just owned me. And I was just like, oh, well, then it took me back the first time I watched the Gracies. But the thing was is that this is in the early 90s, mid-90s when I was doing this. Mm -hmm. And there was no judo schools or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, I had some wrestling background in high school. And so when, when great, like UFC first came out, I was, I watched that pay-per-view and it changed my religion and my brother, I remember mm -hmm. watching my brother and he was training karate too on this guy. And he's like, and he starts trying to be like, well, if our sensei was in there, he would have done this, 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 and this. And there was something that kind of clicked in me where I was like, I, I call bullshit. Mm -hmm. Not because of the way Hoist Gracie ran, but it was because the logic of I'm going to argue my, my way around a situation that I'm not in. Yes. You're not in that situation, bro. How the hell do you know how how someone else would react in that situation, mm -hmm. right? So you're putting this personification of something that, first of all, you've never experienced. Mm -hmm. And our coach isn't showing us that he can handle because he doesn't train with people outside the spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, damn, this jujitsu has something. Yes. Um, and I was like, 15. <laughs> And so I'm not trying to say I was a smart 15 year old. It just didn't make sense to me. Like, yeah, it didn't some, you knew something was off. Right. And it, so it, it, it projected later. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, I got a Kung Fu, you know, I went and got my Kung Fu black belt. I started trying to train, train Sondog. Like I saw Kung Lei. Mm -hmm. Oh, he was one of my favorites. Rudy Ott. Do you remember Rudy Ott? His, his, um, main student. He was a bit mm -hmm. of a badass too. Oh yeah. Um, most definitely. He like, so Rudy Ott was my favorite cause he would engage with single legs. Mm hmm. You know what I mean? I was like, dang. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there was something to this grappling thing. And so I was grateful for my wrestling background, right? Mm -hmm. But then I started noticing that I was always engaging. Like if someone was striking, when I started mm -hmm. doing Muay Thai, I would always go for the clinch because I felt comfortable and I mm -hmm. felt safe. So yes. there was something there too. Mm -hmm. <sighs> and, and this is probably a longer story than it needs to be. Um, there was a jujitsu. So again, Eddie Edmonds was a jujitsu brown belt at that time. So this is where it was hard to find a black belt. So mm -hmm. Pedro Sauer was teaching in Orem, Utah at the time. And I think mm -hmm. if I'm remembering this correctly, don't Eddie, if you hear this, feel free to contact the Zen stoic and tell him the real shit. <laughs> but if I remember right, Pedro was coaching, coaching in Orem and he brought his school up into Salt Lake. And mm -hmm. I was just like, you know, getting punched and needing the face suck. Whoever does Muay Thai and, and stays within loves it. You're a complete badass because yeah. that is, that is, a real deal situation. What I learned from that is a good a jab cross can handle a lot of issues mm -hmm. and, and knowing how to knee. Yes. And a good really team. help. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. And so I was like, yeah, if you, if you can manage distance the whole time, like Muay Thai is your game. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, and I'm not talking about like standing outside, like they can clinch. They, they know their way around a clinch. Yes. Um, I started doing jujitsu and I was just freaking hooked. Um, and I realized that 
and this was again so it was from pedro sour who's a hicks and an alio black belt mm-hmm. and so i had to know the self-defense to even get graded mm-hmm. you know so my my blue belt was i had to demonstrate the gracie fundamentals which mm-hmm. included the self-defense and then of course what typically happens in a jiu-jitsu school which is the crucible where you're just getting just yeah you just get beat up for a little bit yeah, like yeah an hour yeah <laughs> you're just like here we go as long and, as you don't stop you'll get your belt right <laughs> it, it, and it really is it's just a gut test yeah like i you've been hazed this long <laughs> can you handle it that's right and then it's usually now it's like purple belt you know are you showing up mm-hmm. good you know are you technically savvy good Mm-hmm. Brown belt, same thing. You know, after like really the big push is blue belt because they want to make sure that their baseline first colored belt mm-hmm. is good. And this is where I think and pe- that they know how to defend themselves. Ish. <laughs> it depends on which school you go to now. Well, I, I imagine the original intention was that this person can defend themselves. Yes. And that's really, and <laughs> that's the thing, where it began. <laughs> yeah. It, well, you're 100%. So I guess we're going back from 20 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> Why I coach the way I do. I'm starting to see there's this huge and weird argument between old school black belts mm-hmm. and these new school a- uh, athletes and black belts that like old old school is like, oh, you're losing the tradition of the self-defense. And then you're getting these new school black belts that are just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And so you're getting these guys that are just like, and they're right. They're, you know, their their technique is sound. Mm-hmm. You know, worm guard's freaking awesome to watch. Like if you're into gi jiu-jitsu, which I'm not, mm-hmm. but worm guard... Awesome. Yeah. Good control point. Um, you're getting these guards like the 70 30 guard, which when I first started, that was just butterfly guard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Half guard and full, like half guard and half mount. That was, you know, honestly, when I started, that was just like, that was not the place to be, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. And then they started delving into it, you know. So we need these progression points, right? Mm-hmm. You know, now if you look at MMA, half guard is a very viable place to be in. Like if you know what you're doing. Absolutely. You can control strikes from there, especially if you have a decent underhook or overhook. If you're below their shoulders, it's very hard for them to stay balanced and punch you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And if you have a good overhook, you can wear them. Mm-hmm. Or you make you make them wear you, so it's hard for them to control that balance point. Mm-hmm. So, and again, these are all just funda- fundamental theories. Yes. You know? Um, and so... The new school's right. Oh my God. But so is the old school. Because mm-hmm. the problem is now is I remember there was a story that um uh Dangerous DeSabo was telling me that, and I'm not gonna throw the school under the under the bus or anything like that, but there was a Pan American purple belt that was like a young Pan American purple belt in the gi. Mm-hmm. And he got in a street altercation and he couldn't take the guy down. Mm. Because and because the thing is is that there's people out there that are they're they're not trained. Yes. They're not trained in, in, in Muay Thai. They're not trained in boxing. They're not trained in, in jiu-jitsu or, or wrestling. But they've been in enough scraps mm-hmm. where they get the concepts of fighting. Yes. And so the thing was is that this guy kept trying to pull guard. And he ended up slamming himself on concrete. So he tried to jump guard. And, and there's so many people that if they're doing jiu-jitsu and they're judging this guy already. This guy was a purple belt. Pan American champion. And I know some people, oh, that's IBJJF rules and stuff. I don't give a shit. The guy was is a phenom on the mats, mm-hmm. but he didn't address the situation because his coach stopped teaching him the fundamental principle of self-defense. And so yes. what happened was is he got used to be able to grab a lapel, mm-hmm. put his foot into the guy's hip, mm-hmm. and sit down. Well, the guy was in a tank top, 
Mm-hmm. Right. He didn't have anything to grab onto. And what I'm like, Hey, put on a sweater. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and there, and there's, and it's funny too, because like, as I've been coaching, what I'm noticing in, in, um, is that people don't understand that they're, they're sometimes they're being taught the fundamental of hand fighting or, or grip fighting. Mm-hmm. And they don't understand that they're learning how to pummel, but they haven't been taught the concept of pummeling. So when they take the gi off, they don't, mm-hmm. it's lost. Yeah. This is, I mean, this is one of the big reasons why I teach, a wrestling class and why in the no gi jujitsu class that I teach, I teach wrestling takedowns yes. every time because if you're a purple belt, you don't know how to take somebody to the ground where you are strong. There's a, there's a disconnect happening right. there. Yeah. Well, and the thing is too, though, is that, you know, we're so hyper specialized now mm-hmm. in most cases, like Alex is again, a phenomenal instructor because he has b- boxing classes mm-hmm. and kickboxing classes, but he also takes them. Mm-hmm. He's a brown belt in judo. Yeah. But he also will tell you, like, when I came in, hey, I want to work some nogi, like, judo variations. And he told me flat out, this is something I, that's when I knew I respected this man. And he's like, you know what? I will catch judo throws in nogi, but it's not something I actually mm-hmm. have focused on. So he, he literally said, we can think tank it. Mm-hmm. He said, we can lab it if you want all day. Mm-hmm. And, but he's like, I can't really show you no gi specific judo takedowns, yes. like, in the, in the traditional sense. And I was like, that's a black belt. Mm-hmm. To know your weaknesses as well as your strengths, that's a true black belt. Yes. But there's a lot of people out there that are losing the context, and then they also don't remember the fact that there would not be a foundation for them to actually be excelling on without the old school. Mm-hmm. And the principles or the fence that they set up. That's right. The fence that they set up was Gracie was showing people, hey, a smaller individual can win a, on their back and mm-hmm. submit your ass. And, and the people also forget that wrestling forgot... Uh, like long ago, mm-hmm. long ago that it was a submission style grappling mm-hmm. catch wrestling just barely started coming back in the no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, feasibly, like if you're talking about long-term mm-hmm. catch wrestling was a thing, it was a submission. It was a submission wrestling setup mm-hmm. that became pro. Yeah. And then what they did is became hyper specialized, became entertainment. Mm. The other thing people forget is like in the late 1800s and the early 1900s, boxers and wrestlers would cross train. And so the boxers will learn how to use the, the, um, clinch work mm-hmm. for dirty boxing. That's really interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. So uh, I learned that from one of my coaches, Jason Mertlick, who actually coached, uh, court McGee mm-hmm. through his UFC debut on tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he also coached Brad Martinez and Bellator. And he, he would study that and he actually worked us on that a ton. That that's really interesting because you, you and I were talking about an episode that I did uh, a few episodes ago, uh, technically earlier this week, if you're listening to this in succession, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but I was talking about the story of the blind man with a lantern and how, and it teaches the lesson of how overconfidence can get you hurt. Right. And thinking that just because you have, uh, something to lean on a crutch, if you will, like, oh, I'm, I'm great on the mats with jujitsu. So I'll be fine on the street. Right. Like having an overconfidence, even though maybe you haven't trained striking or you haven't trained takedowns, it's not going to help you in the, in, in a different context, if you will. No. Yeah, you're right. And, and that it's crazy because I think we, we start to rely on our crutches so much mm-hmm. and the crutches can come in any form, right? They can come in a, you know, a job title. They can come in a financial uh, situation. Like if you're, you, you have a good financial situation, maybe you crutch on that. Or maybe if you have a certain relationship or 
in this case, if you practice a specific martial art, but you fail to acknowledge all the other contexts in which this can be tested, right? You'll build an overconfidence, and because you build that overconfidence, you don't focus on key details that could actually get you hurt. Yeah, um, I think finally you're starting to hear some higher level jujitsu coaches acknowledging the weaknesses of jujitsu, mm-hmm. and there is weaknesses to it. the The strength of jujitsu are three things. One is it teaches you. Um, that you can help nullify but not completely eliminate mm-hmm. the the scientific reality of a larger opponent. Yes. I'm sorry, you can't. There's a reason why even jujitsu has weight classes. Mm-hmm. And there's also a reason why people freak out when a smaller individual goes into the universal weight class and does well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I mean, Lachlan Giles has made a career now off of taking third place. Mm-hmm. I think it was third or second in yeah. the ADCCs in the universal weight class. Why? Because it holy crap, did he know how to deal with a, a a heavier opponent? But guess who ended up taking first? A heavier opponent. I like whispering into this. It's nice, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, um, but it, it, it like shock, horror, mm. uh, you know, size matters. Absolutely. Sorry, dudes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is like, if you're a gym that it wants to, and, and I'm not trying to attack anybody's ideals. Like mm-hmm. if, if you're a sport specific gym, like if you, if your money, your bread and butter is competition jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Great. But acknowledge that to your, to yeah. your students. And I'm not saying like, I'm this big, tough guy. I'm not, you're looking at me right now. I'm average height, mm-hmm. average build, average looking, average jujitsu. But here's my thing is that, I have done kickboxing. Mm-hmm. I've done wrestling and I've done jujitsu for a certain amount of time. I am not the best black belt you'll ever meet. Yes. But I will tell you this, like I am confident in a hand to hand situation that mm-hmm. I will at least be able to hold my own. Why? Cause I know what, what a jab cross looks like. I know what it's like to be kneed in the face. Mm-hmm. And I also know what it's like when you, you're getting out wrestled by somebody. Yes. And I think that's important. I like, I don't have the strongest, uh, like, understanding of wrestling but i think since i wrestled mm-hmm. and my claim to and i i've been taken down in other situations been in high school i was never taken down mm. i was beaten in referee's position mm. which let's be honest that's like a that's like a, a i don't know like a it's like a prison scene off of oz <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You, you know, when the butt drag is something that's viable. <laughs> that's a viable move. Yeah, I, I had a, a similar experience in, in high school. I was great on my feet, but, right. but on the ground in referee's position, especially when I was on bottom. Oh. I was like, that that was total advantage for the other, the opponent. Right. And, and to go to wrestling just a little bit, wrestling is just now rec- recognizing it's it's faults in the last decade, which if mm-hmm. you look at in the human experience and what has been gauged for the last hundred years, it's pretty recent. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because like, there's this weird thing that they're pushing. It's like, you know, more wrestlers have won a UFC title, but the next one is jujitsu, right? And then the mm-hmm. next ones are striking. Wrestling would not be where it's at if they didn't take the time to understand submissions. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for Gracie's coming out and being like, Hey bro, Mm-hmm. You can win off your back. Yeah, it had to be tested in that context. Right. Again, this whole thing of overconfidence and leaning on a specific style or way of being, I mean, it's a tool, but it's not going to be 
your salvation or the entirety of something that's going to validate who you are right as a fighter yeah and so going into your delusion thing that we're talking about oh yeah so so we'll we'll bring these in real quick because i i definitely really like your take and and understanding on the intentions and delusions so uh going into the zen stoic philosophy we have four intentions and four delusions so we have the first one being humanity the intention of humanity in other words really aligning with your human nature and understanding that not everything is going to work out to your ideals. And as a human, you have these, you have faults, you have flaws, you have the capacity to do dumb things yep, yep, <laughs> and yep. make bad decisions all and the time. That's okay. Like yep. that's part of your humanity. And it's also to align with your nature versus the delusion of disconnection where either you feel you choose to feel lonely or like nobody understands you or you have delusions of grandeur that like you're superior to others in some way that like, well, people are just intimidated by me. Yeah. And that, yeah. That, that's why we're not connecting. Right. <laughs> no, you're just a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's the first set. The second set would be uh, the intention of understanding versus the delusion of control. So understanding is more so going in with a beginner's mind, curiosity and control it's more so going in with expectations or trying to actually control a situation and people in it to which you don't actually have control. So it violates stoicism's dichotomy of control of to, you know, take in what you can control and discard everything that you can't control. Right. Uh, following that, we have discipline, which is the discipline to not allow your emotions and feelings of pleasure or pain to overpower you. And then you have expediency, which is the desire to move from a bad feeling or a feeling that's unpleasant to a feeling that you feel is good or pleasant by creating a bridge via one of those crutches, via one of those tools for overconfidence. If you <laughs> yeah. And then the last one is sincerity, sincere expression of just what you are feeling in that moment or what you believe in that moment versus performance and putting on a mask and trying to be something that you're not, Yeah, you know, to, to, in essence, garner the attention or approval of other people. Yes. So uh, the way that these all kind of come in, especially when it comes to jujitsu is like you, you see all those happening in jujitsu and MMA in life. (laughs) Unfortunately. Yeah, that's, that's the case. Um, I think with especially the Western mentality of like, we specialize in this, like Mm -hmm. you go to college, you become a lawyer Mm -hmm. and that's what you do. And that's who you are. Mm -hmm. No, not really. You are not a lawyer. Mm -hmm. You happen to do that as a profession. Yes. Right. It's not your identity. It's not who you are. And one thing that I think a lot of these intentions and delusions kind of point to, or one principle that is a, is fundamental to all of them is the whole idea in Zen where a finger pointing at the moon is not the moon. Yeah. Right? Thanks, Bruce Lee. Thanks, Bruce Lee, for popularizing that in Enter <laughs> the Dragon. <laughs> uh, but it's it's not the moon itself. And so many people, we mistake the pointing mechanism at the thing yeah. for for being the thing. And that that includes our identity, right? Like, oh, yes. I, I'm a lawyer or I'm I'm a wrestler. I'm a, a a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. I'm a, I'm a Muay Thai kickboxer. Like yes. if you attach to that and you think that that is you or you, you kind of cut off your, the expansiveness of who you are as a person or as a human being right. to just that thing, you're going to limit yourself in ways that will disempower you. But at the same time, fail to recognize the weaknesses and blind spots of a person who only sees life through that lens of your crutch. Right. And then they want to, there's that old saying that when you start trying to change, mm-hmm. 
the people that are used to you being the way you are mm-hmm. will fight to keep you yes. the way you were. Yes, because you're disturbing their perception or their expectations, expectations. of reality. <laughs> yeah. And so I guess that's what I, uh, going into like what my methodology of jujitsu is. is like, so Corsair is a jujitsu school. I'm not going to lie to anybody. We're not an MMA school. We're a jujitsu school. However, mm-hmm. I do have a kickboxing coach. Yes. I do have a wrestling coach. I also, even though I don't prefer gi, I have mm-hmm. the fundamentals of gi. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing another black belt in to help me with like for people I don't choose to focus on gi because my understanding of jujitsu doesn't necessarily need to be your understanding of jujitsu. Mm-hmm. And what's necessary for me to be a successful practitioner isn't necessarily the right thing for you. Yes. And so the other thing that I'm noticing with a lot of jujitsu schools is they treat everybody as a competitor. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, there's a lot in life right now going on with like, I don't care if you are conservative or liberal. I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican. Mm-hmm. Everybody's stressed the fuck out. <laughs> it's so true. Right. And everybody's vying. And it's like, so here's the thing. I do believe in truth. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I'm not those. And we talked about this a little before. I, I, I think your truth and my truth, that idea of you have a separate truth to me is bullshit. Mm-hmm. There's the reality. Mm-hmm. And then there's your perception of reality. So yes. you have truth and then you have your honest perception of what is. Mm-hmm. And we as humans only have a certain amount of ability to understand the reality because yes. we're finite. Mm-hmm. So, it, and it doesn't matter if you're an atheist or a theist or deist or whatever, or agnostic, I don't mm-hmm. give a shit. Like we're all on this planet. Honestly, if you're doing things right, honestly mm-hmm. trying to find out what the hell's going on mm-hmm. and we're trying to work our way through this life. And it's being in my middle age now, mm-hmm. it's, it, it goes by fast. Mm-hmm. And so when I started this gym, I realized, okay. You need to be good enough at something. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to teach this, you have to be good at something enough to be viable. Yes. And you can't be everything to everyone. Mm-hmm. So what I want is I want to have options for people, but our focus is jujitsu. The way I look at jujitsu is it's the it's a fundamental worst case scenario martial art. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised. Now I'm on the ground. What do you do? So wrestling's good at getting to their feet, but what if someone's better at keeping you on the ground? Mm-hmm. Hip movement, guard, half guard. You know what I mean? Enter jujitsu. Yeah, enter jujitsu. It is, and the thing is, is it, uh, wrestling is so specialized about holding someone on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chael Sonnen had this. People piss piss off because he's like wrestling overtime is better than jujitsu. I and I agree. Jujit like. But the problem is, is that, and he said it better than I can, but what wrestling provides is the in, the entering mm-hmm. and the midterm. Mm. What jiu-jitsu specializes is, is the interim and the finish because uh, wrestling stopped focusing on the finish mm-hmm. and they said the pin symbolizes death. Well, in a, in a real life scenario, <laughs> the pin is symbolizing nothing. Right, but getting choked out definitely symbolizes death. Right, or if you're, in a, or you put yourself in a position, or excuse me, a position where you can actually punch a guy out, yes. or control them to the like. So there is pins, but the problem is, is that wrestling pins aren't always viable in a self defense situation. If my head is down mm-hmm. and I'm looking at the ground while I'm pinning someone, well, nothing stopping the dude that he came to the bar with from monkey stomping your head into the ground. Mm-hmm. Or if you go into a technical mount 
with a gift wrap where your eyes are up and I'm controlling the other guy's I'm 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 controlling the other guy's hips. I'm isolating his legs from his upper body mm-hmm. and I have control of one of his shoulders through the gift wrap. Mm-hmm. My eyes are up. I can see at least I can't see 360 degrees, but I can actually you hear my voice go away from the mic. I can actually make up for that with my head swivel, mm-hmm. but I'm up. And that's what jujitsu teaches you is pin positions that I actually am viable in a, in a multiple mm-hmm. uh, person scenario. Right. And you have to know that yeah, it gives you awareness of your environment. I notice, like which, which again, that's a detail that you might miss out on if the aim of your style is simply to keep somebody on the ground. Right. Or is your aim is just submission. So I was teaching a self-defense technique and control point to some blue belts. Mm-hmm. And I was like, go. And I, and I asked, I asked them, I'm like, all right, now go into a self-defense, self-defense finish. I didn't say submission. I said, go to a self-defense uh, finish. So the guy takes his opponent down mm-hmm. from a self-defense scenario. And he goes immediately for a head and arm choke prone with mm-hmm. his head down. And I was like, okay, so in a self-defense situation, you're okay with not being able to see around you. Mm. <laughs> do you know do you know that this person's alone you see what i'm saying mm-hmm. but he also had a transition point where he actually have, could have gone to a technical mount or sat the person up where he was on his knees and finished a rear naked choke yes you can finish a rear naked choke without your hooks in mm-hmm. and you can control somebody through there well there you- was actually a fight last night well, last night in terms of when this episode is being recorded <laughs> <laughs> where um islam and if for the main event, if I, how do you say his last name? I can't pronounce it, bro. He's <laughs> from Dagestan. Yeah, I, I can barely process. pronounce my own last name. <laughs> it's uh, like Islam Machevik or something mm, like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He uh, he submitted a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt with a rear naked choke, no hooks in. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, is people get dogmatic about position before submission. And this is where the progression of jujitsu is getting awesome with the leg attacks. Mm-hmm. Right. But the, also the, 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 the problem is too, is people aren't putting it in too much context because there is times where like, if I sit back onto a heel hook and a guy steps out, that step out also symbolizes a freaking step over kick. Mm-hmm. And you've seen people decide to get a DQ over getting loss. Yeah. And they've knocked people out kicking them. Like, oh, I don't know how to get a heel hook. I'm just going to kick the Christ out of you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they do. Mm-hmm. So what does that say for someone that may not necessarily take jujitsu, but they, they have that athleticism where they can feel that that's the natural way of getting out and they choose to k- soccer kick out. Mm-hmm. Are you prepared for that? Or have you been taught that the sport jujitsu of like sealing up the heel hook in a certain position? Because there is street viable positions to do straight, mm-hmm. like, like, leg attacks yes but you have to understand the context but if you haven't trained in that capacity to know which one's which you might be surprised by someone that you may not view as trained as classically trained which let's be honest like if you choose to take on any martial art discipline that Mm -hmm. is viable yes that actually tests itself against other positions but there's always a rule set and if you haven't dealt with that rule set Mm -hmm. that's a problem yeah and so that's, I guess, what I'm trying to do is I, I call it the martial art or the jiu-jitsu trifecta. Not everything has equal value in the trifecta, but mm-hmm. it, 
But if you understand that, that puts you in a better understanding of I at least am putting myself in a scenario which I understand. Mm -hmm. So the trifecta is at the top, is the self-defense viable? Yes. Okay. At the bottom left, which I'm using my left hand and you're looking at me and you're like, you're an idiot because it's my right. <laughs> but on the left, I call it the, the, the sport. And then on the right, I call it MMA. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because like not every movement is going to be productive in all things, but there's also in that trifecta and that triangle that I'm illustrating, mm -hmm. there's some float, mm -hmm. right? So can you actually say that that prone head and arm choke that that person using in self-defense is not always a self-defense viable technique? Well, if you're one-on-one, -on -one, like if you're in like a building or a, mm -hmm. you know, hallway where no one's actually there and you don't see that there, yeah, that's a viable self-defense technique. Yes. But what if they have a knife? And I hate to always add the knife scenario, but guess what? Statistically, there's more knife attacks than gun attacks. Mm-hmm especially in the UK. Yes. So they're out there. <laughs> they are out there. And so it's like, and, and honestly, some I've read some statistics where, um, ER mm -hmm. surgeons would prefer a gun wound than a knife wound because the knife cuts going in and out. There's a dual mm -hmm. thing. And I'm not saying I'm not advocating guns or knives. I'm just saying knives are something you should be worried about. Right. Yeah. It, it, like in those <laughs> scenarios, in those scenarios where you need to defend yourself, these things need to be acknowledged because I, I've definitely experienced overconfidence in my abilities that ended up getting me in trouble. Like, like I, what would you mean? I, okay. So <laughs> there's a couple scenarios. I, I, I have more than I could talk about, right? And, but they're learning experiences. But they're all learning experiences, but they taught me not to overvalue, uh, the training that I've gotten. Um, and instead think about scenarios in which it wouldn't work, which, you know, at, at this point, somebody listening, think we're talking just about fighting but this this applies in all contexts of life right like if you carefully curate your logic and rationality to a certain set of rules or context it's going to be very limited in that space right so in my examples there's a couple a couple times i remember the first time i it wasn't i wouldn't call this like a real fight but it was a f it was it was not it was somewhere in between messing around and an actual fight Okay. Because there was not uh not necessarily goodwill, but <laughs> you know, we were like eleven years old or so. And I remember, you know, fighting this bigger kid. And at that time, I was very, very much into Taekwondo. So I had great striking. Nice. Yeah. Man, Taekwondo Olympic level Taekwondo. Yeah. <laughs> there are some vicious KOs. Oh yeah. Oh. So so I had I had good striking, but this kid was bigger than me. And I remember I went to strike him and I missed. Like I went to strike the body because we weren't hitting each other in the face. Right. I missed and he grabbed me and I had no idea what to do. And I right. was freaked out by this. Like it changed my whole perception on everything. And I was like, what happened there? Like everything I trained for was useless. Right. Like I couldn't do anything. Because you were specialized. Yeah. And yeah. so it freaked me out. There was another time where it happened. Um, I was helping a guy prepare for an MMA fight. And we had been doing kickboxing together and I had been training a lot longer than him. Okay. So I was picking him apart. Every combination that I wanted to throw, I would land it. And we're Your striking is awesome, by the way. I've seen Thank videos. Yeah, it's <laughs> really you. good. Um, we, we were, you know, we're sparring and, you know, takedowns are allowed as well. So every time I wanted to take him down, I took him down. Every time he threw a kick, I would counter and I would catch it and throw him. Okay. So at this point, I'm like kind of riding on this confidence of like, oh, I'm you know, I'm better than this guy is and it's not going to be a problem. Right. And I remember going into the match with the same mentality because I already, we had sparred before and I knew that. So I, 
didn't put a mouth guard in. And I was like, yeah, this will be fine. Like, he can't <laughs> hit me anyway. Right. And because, because I was leaning on my experience. Right. And with, like, literally five seconds left, I remember I went to take him down with a double leg. And I had been hitting double legs for the last six minutes. Like, I probably hit, like, seven or eight of them. And he has a good double leg. And he kicked me in the face. Ooh. Right, <laughs> right under my, my bottom lip. Oh. And I remember my lip went into my top teeth. And I had this nasty scar and I was bleeding everywhere. My lip was swollen for like a, a week and I couldn't even work. Because oh. all my working had to do with like talking to people in person. like Right. Selling. Oh no. Like I was in sales and I was like, what the fuck? This is terrible. And I was so upset. But I, when I really think back to it, it's like I was leaning way too much on this overconfidence. Right. Around being able to, you know, outspar this guy. Like to the point where I was like, oh, I don't need a mouth guard because I won't get hit in the face. Right. And then I get kicked with a front kick from hell. Right. <laughs> because terrible. striker's chance, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, the thing is, too, is that I ride the opposite sometimes. Mm. I undervalue what I can do. Mm. You know, and you, there's that dichotomy. And I think that's another thing jujitsu actually does supremely well is because you're constantly testing. And sometimes you wake up like, oh. Yeah, I can sometimes you feel good. Uh, right. And, but sometimes it also educates you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another fallacy people make is like, you know, I'm not a slouch standing. Like I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not saying, you know, like I have takedowns. Yes. Uh, and I'm decent at, at the, gra- at the standing game. Mm-hmm. I'm not, not talking about striking. I'm talking about the standing game of grappling. I have a decent cross hook. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm, I know my way around striking enough, but I also know that I don't know enough about striking to be like, yeah, bro. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not putting on my gloves like for like one of your other podcast guests, like Ace. Not like gonna Ace. put. Yeah, yeah. I've I've made that mistake before. I <laughs> boxed with Ace. That was not fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, and the thing is, I'm getting old enough to realize I already have enough concussions. I'm not adding to the mm-hmm. the chances of losing piano lessons and memories of dad. So it's like, <laughs> you know, I. Uh, I, I honestly, I think what, but I think every grappler, I think every jujitsu practitioner should have a decent jab cross. They should know what a knee looks like. They should know what a straight kick looks like mm-hmm. and maybe a round kick. I don't, I'm not saying round kicks aren't viable on the street, but by if you're standing back enough as a jujitsu guy to let a guy tee off with a round kick, mm-hmm. you might be applying jujitsu a little bit off. I'm not saying <laughs> you shouldn't know how to trap. Yes. But I'm, I'm just saying the teep or the front kick is probably something you might ran, run into a little bit more and maybe a low kick. You know, mm-hmm. you learn how to check a low kick or whatnot. And I'm not saying keep your hands up or anything like that, but like you know, um, grapplers should probably try to smother as much as they can, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not saying I'm hundred percent correct on this, but like the one thing I will say, what Corsair is going to have is a lot of other eyes mm-hmm. on that. And that goes into what my philosophy is on instructing versus coaching. Yes. So instructing, instructing is teaching people how to do something. Coaching is getting them to be at their peak potential. Mm-hmm. It's different. So instruction is teaching them how to, or instructing is how to know a skill set mm-hmm. coaching is getting them to apply it at their highest potential. Yes. And I don't think people understand the difference because you'll get some people in, in a jujitsu school and I'm not, again, I'm not saying there's a ton, but it's mm-hmm. like, they instantly are like, are you competing? Are you competing? Are you competing? Well, you got a guy that literally he's like, maybe he's like 70 pounds overweight. Mm-hmm. 
what if he's also dealing with, and I'm not saying competition can't help him with that, mm -hmm. but what if he's dealing with a, a divorce? So he's overweight, he's divorced, he's on he's on the fence of possibly losing his job because honestly what happens with men when they, like during divorce is that th their world gets shut down. And I'm not saying this is the pussification of America or anything. Mm -hmm. like, I'm just saying it's like once, like there's studies that once a man typically, and I'm talking about a healthy male, not mm -hmm. an abusive one, signs off on the agreement of marriage and it doesn't go well there's a time where they there that's a true existential crisis because our biology is like spread your seed and we've decided this is the one mm -hmm. you know so it's that oneness mentality mm -hmm. you know what i mean rather than being the one for the person like like working on yourself to be enough where that person is good enough for you like there's always that potential of someone leaving then what are you left with if there were the one if you were, again, it goes into your delusion of this is the one person for me. Yeah, that's the crutch. That's the control and expediency that you're, you know, making, you're projecting this person to be. Right. And instead of working on being the one for your, not necessarily yourself, I don't believe in that, like, you're the, you know, you are the, the, the answer to all of your problems. That not, isn't, then there's no reason to. No reason to interact. Interact, right. Because, <laughs> like, that's the problem, I think, with these school, these martial arts schools that focus so much on forms training. Mm-hmm. Well, all you have is, and it's the same argument. It's like, all you have is what you have. All you need is what you have. And mm -hmm. you're doing these katas or these forms and you're, but you've never seen someone slip a punch <laughs> or you've never felt the fact that you might, they might check your kick and it freaking hurts or you break oh, yeah. your toe on it. Mm -hmm. I've broken a toe on a checked kick. Oh yeah. That's it, not, not a good feeling. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You've ate a kick in a double leg. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, block, I blocked it with my face. <laughs> <laughs> Viable strategy, sir. <laughs> I have been souffléed. Souffléed. I have been like, so a suplex, but like where you go completely over. Oh, so I, I, I was thinking of a pastry, but. You know. <laughs> that is not, <laughs> that was my fault. <laughs> I too am hungry. <laughs> but I've been like, so, you know, I was rolling with a guy that was actually a lower belt than I was he was a white belt mm -hmm. I was a blue belt and he souffled me mm -hmm. so I had overconfidence he took my back he stood up so I was like okay and I before I could hook his leg he mm -hmm. took me over his shoulder I have neck problems now mm -hmm. you see what I'm saying so mm -hmm. it's like I devalued what he can do yeah and things like that and I was also functioning under the process that most jujitsu competitions don't allow you to slam mm -hmm. and it changed how I look at slams yeah, once again it's you know it's acknowledging that this context where you've drawn the line for this context is not necessarily going to uh, save you in all situations. Right. It, it's one of the reasons why, like the, I combine Zen and stoicism for a reason. I think both of them have their, the parts about them that are great. And then the parts about them that are blind spots and, and drawbacks mm -hmm. um, just to put it very like concisely stoicism being that it prioritizes rationality, perspective and logic. It does. So, in a way, almost as like a replacement for the reliance on your emotions. Right. As if that is somehow better. Now, Zen looks at that as like emotions and logic are both equally illusory. So replacing one for the other is not actually the answer. That's just another delusion, right. if you will. Like it just kind of makes you further lost. That makes but, sense. But what I notice is what most people call rationality and logic is usually just their cognitive biases, right? Which come from emotional experiences, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say prejudices, also emotional experiences, right? And carefully curated logic, also from emotional experiences. The okay. reason why certain things make sense to you is because at one point in time, you felt strong emotions 
either with or against that thing okay. that created the belief. Okay. So in, in essence, if you don't think about additional con, uh, uh, context or if you think that like what I have here is the holy grail, like jujitsu, best martial art ever. Right. And okay. You know what? Going. Like, you know, I'm a blue belt. This guy's a white belt. It's he's not going to be able to beat me. And yeah. suddenly this guy throws you over his shoulder and it's like, well, I didn't account for that. There's no <laughs> slamming in competition. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, well, and then you're also getting these guys that are like high level wrestlers are just schooling a blue or purple belt or even sometimes a brown belt. Mm-hmm. They're not submitting them, but man, they are owning them on the mat. Like they're, they're mm-hmm. dominating position, you know? Um, and that's the thing too. I think people are realizing, hopefully mm-hmm. the black belt is not an end all be all like you're seeing that. And, and, but the thing is, is they're looking at it in the wrong context. Like, Oh, black belt in jujitsu doesn't mean what it used to mean. No, that's not what it means is a wrestler's learned to account for submissions and a striker knows that he has to account for takedowns. The problem I think now is that jujitsu hasn't accounted for both. We've stopped training mm. at least. So when I was first training, we would play tag in jujitsu and like now they, you know, EBI switched into combat jiu-jitsu where you're like, it's basically slap fighting in yeah. jiu-jitsu contacts, which I think is actually a cool step in in the right direction. Do I fully agree with it? No, but at least it's showing that jiu-jitsu has a street viability that we have lost. It's not, it's not that we don't do it. It's that we have lost that heritage. Right. Jiu-jitsu used to point at self-defense. Right. It's not self-defense itself, but it used to be the pointing mechanism to self-defense. Right. And we've now started to think that no, like we're not even looking at self-defense anymore. We've now mistaken the moon or self-defense right. for being the pointing mechanism being jujitsu. And it's been sport jujitsu in a lot of circles. You know, there are some people who definitely focus on the self-defense element of it, but the original intention was lost Yeah, for a lot of people. Right. And so it's not that it's not no longer street viable. It's no longer, it's not that it's no longer MMA viable. It's just, you know, I, and I'm not saying that I know this a hundred percent. I'm just saying when I watch Dane train his guys in jujitsu, mm-hmm. they understand striking platforms. Yes. They understand that there's a certain amount of passing that you can do. That's different for sport jujitsu that you can't do in MMA or you can do in MMA, but you can't flip flop the two. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's like, there is striking guard passes, yeah. but if you're not training that in jujitsu, like my question is then you may be a phenomenal gi or no gi player but what happens when a guy knows the concept of what we call uh you know a leg drag but he leg drags you into a strike where you know the concept of maybe hip switching Mm -hmm. but you don't realize that hip switch is actually to help maintain distance from a strike but you haven't trained that Mm. so they smash and pass with some striking yes what are you gonna do Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? It's like we've haven't, lost. Haven't accounted for it, man. right? You just haven't done it. So it's. I'm not saying you have to tee off, put gloves on, and start getting the just the piss beat out of you. Mm-hmm. But you do have to understand the, the qualifiers, right? Yes. So and going back to that trifecta, they, they float. Mm-hmm. So so there's certain things that I'm. And, and the other thing is too is that your body type mm-hmm. dictates that too. Like there might be a if you're su- like if you're super tall and long and you can get away with like a leg attack in a specific position that doesn't allow a shorter person to strike great mm-hmm. for you mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean someone that's like 58 mm-hmm. and 130 pounds can manage that against a guy that's 62 and 200 mm-hmm. you know what i mean 
And the other thing is too, is that all training isn't equal. And, but at the same time, not all training is necessary for everyone. So it's like, it goes back to the instructor versus coach mentality. So if a guy's just trying to lose weight, learn some self-defense and things like that, I'm not going to lie to him and be like, Hey, you're going to be the world's best jujitsu player. Mm -hmm. If you're showing up twice a week and there's a dude showing up five days a week, there's going to be a quantifiable difference. Does that mean I'm not going to belt you when your times come? No, it's just, there's levels to this. Mm Mm-hmm. And I also think the new school is kind of falling out of that understanding that, so, okay, a purple belt that's a hobbyist Mm -hmm. is if his goals are being met through jujitsu and he's just a hobbyist showing up two to three times a week Mm -hmm. is, is less of a purple belt just because there's another purple belt doing two a days. Mm -hmm. Explain to me that because the two a day guys going and competing, the other guys going home and being a good father because he's taken out his stress in a healthy manner from from a work environment that probably isn't healthy. Because mm-hmm. let's be honest, our work environments aren't exactly the healthiest thing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so he comes into jujitsu, he's losing weight, um, he's gaining confidence because he knows in a situation he is at least viable in certain situations and now he comes home his wife is stressed out possibly i'm just this is a scenario making up but he's he's eliminated some of the stress of his life so he can be like hey i can take this now yeah and it's like in that situation that you described or that you made up just now (laughs) um the person's intention for doing jujitsu it's like is it meeting why you need it or why you've you've approached this sport right. or, or martial art in your life? Yes. And if it if that's what it is, then it's doing everything it needs to do. There is no, you know, single way of training and yes. developing. Right. So it depends. And I, I'm going to tie it back to what we were originally talking about, which is marriage. Like we marry mm-hmm. ideas mm-hmm. rather than understanding the concept of devoting something. And that's what you know, the marriage of ideas or the marriage of a person is, it's like, you're, mm. you're married, you're not marrying the institution. People are attacking the institution that that's the fence. Right. Mm-hmm. And jujitsu is a fence. Yes. There's also a time to cross the fence and there's also times to stay within the fence. And so it's like, and I think modern jujitsu guys are doing a great job of progressing the art, but they are not understanding that they are also crossing a fence mm-hmm. and they're, they're calling it the same thing. Mm-hmm. And there is a difference between sport jujitsu and, 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 combat jujitsu or self-defense jujitsu and i'm not saying that they're they're not they're not i'm not saying they're not they're i'm not saying they're mutually exclusive Mm -hmm. but they're quantifiably different yes most definitely and so you know when you're so the new school saying that the the old school approach is not viable not necessarily true and you would not have a platform in which you would be successful without the old school but the old school needs to shut up about the progression mm-hmm. the progression because without these guys experimenting with leg locks and and bringing in new ideas from catch wrestling and sambo and things like that we wouldn't have a viability correct yeah i mean we're we're all standing on the shoulders of giants you know before us and i think you know whether it's in jiu-jitsu or in life in general we're all basically able to be here right now because of what our parents, grandparents, great grandparents, our, all of our ancestors right. did to build up to this point. And sometimes we forget that, which I think is part of the importance of studying history, right? Ha- understanding how we got here. And including your, you know, what we were talking about, the, our personal history. Yes. So I would never say what my grandfather did mm-hmm. was not important. Not everything he did 
is meant for me. Right. But there's some concepts I definitely need to understand. Definitely. So as we, as we wrap up, I have a final question that I always ask in uh, different variations. Uh Oh, <laughs> do I need more scotch for this? <laughs> I don't think so. I think, I think, I think, I think this one will come to you. <laughs> <laughs> so the question is, if you were to, in essence, lose all of the knowledge that you've built up around martial arts, around life, around the things that, in essence, allow you to keep moving forward, and you could only keep one principle, one thought that would allow you to, in, either, in other words, either build everything back up or to pull you out of a place of being lost, what would that be for you? You know, I am an advocate of purpose. Hmm. I don't know. I, I think we make too much, and I don't know if this is getting too abstract, but, you know, this is my answer, so suck it. It's a philosophy podcast. <laughs> we, we live in the abstract. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, I think we, as a Western society, and I think this is one reason why we're struggling right now, mm-hmm. is we forget we're so focused on happiness. Mm-hmm. We're so focused on feeling good and people clicking the like button. Mm-hmm. And I, I even fall into this too. And I have to check myself all the damn time. Mm-hmm. I think we forget that there is the purpose that we are born with. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying destiny. I'm saying that like, we're just genetically wired for a purpose in yes. certain things. We have a proclivity towards something and, an aversion towards others. Right. I also don't think this is going to piss people off, but I don't think discrimination is a bad thing. I think we've mislabeled this. We, our brains are inevitably discriminatory. Do you have a best friend? Mm-hmm. Then you've discriminated against someone else. Do you have an idea that you think is a great idea? Well, you've discriminated against other ideas. I think we need to just accept the fact that we are wired for proclivities mm-hmm. and they're not always correct. Mm-hmm. And we need to seek our born purpose but we also have a purpose to learn outside of. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when we will build joy and joy. And much like truth is not synonymous with happiness. Mm-hmm. Like, so there's truth is not synonymous with honesty. Yes. It's not the same thing. Joy is not the same thing as happiness. Joy is when you're on your deathbed mm-hmm. and you can look back and you're like, yeah, I screwed up, but guess what? I hit my purpose mm-hmm. and I helped others with their purpose and I pointed towards joy, mm-hmm. I did okay. Yeah. And that's my goal. And I guess that's what I would do. <laughs> Beautiful. I like it. So if uh, anybody wants to learn more about what you're doing with Corsair, if they're in the area or they just want to, I know, hear more about your concepts around martial arts, uh, where can they find you? Uh, so we are CorsairBJJ.com. And uh, you can always email me through that they have a link and it's CorsairBJJ at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also coach right now and I, I'll, for the foreseeable future, I'll be key, uh, teaching no gi jujitsu on Thursday evenings at insight BJJ in Bastrop, Texas. And then hopefully in August, you guys can come say hello. And, uh, you know, if you guys want to learn some jujitsu, I'll be there on the mats. If you want to learn some kickboxing, we'll have super Dave helping us out. Super Dave shade. Beautiful. <laughs> um, and then, uh, we'll have uh, Troy Medima. He's going to be kind of our our um, house gi jiu-jitsu guy. Beautiful. 
Uh, that that's a good choice. <laughs> Troy's awesome. It was amazing. Yes, an amazing beard, much like your own. Absolutely, it, a beard, a good beard takes discipline and patience. You're it's, not it's wrong. It's very much like a bonsai tree. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, Micah, thank you so much for thank being you. This on has the been Zen fun. Path. Yeah, man, it's been a blast. And, I would uh, shake your hand, but no one would see it. Yeah, it's a, it, it, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it uh, off air <laughs> since it won't provide any joy for the listeners. <laughs> All right, thank you. Thank you.